Hi, everyone. Welcome to Monday Motivation, How to Pass NCLEX. This topic we're talking about today is meningitis. And you all know that meningitis is uh, it's a topic that I go over in the quick facts for NCLEX. But I wanted to spend a little bit of time on it today because I feel like meningitis can get mixed up with other conditions. And so for next-gen NCLEX, you've got to know about differential diagnosis. So I want to talk about the principles of meningitis care. Now, I see some people who are saying congratulations, and I missed it. Who's past NCLEX? Please let me know in the comments so I can shout y'all out. Thank you for joining me from all over. I see we have over 300 nurses who are in the building right now. So happy Monday. All right, we're going to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what we had on, what we had on was, as I write my notes, what we had on was testimonials that are in the V2. So all of the testimonials that we're getting for people who pass next-gen NCLEX, we are going to be putting them in the V2 for you guys. Um, oh, here it is. Here they are. Taifa, am I saying that right? Thank you, Regina and Remar family. I'm very happy to say I passed my exam last week. Where is the website where I can get my free first shift? She says she want a free first shift. Um, <laughs> go to remarnurse.com forward slash party. Congratulations. Thank you for putting this topic up. It is page 53 and quick facts. All right, page 53 and quick facts. So before I get started with the topic, I do want to do just a little anatomy review via my drawings. Okay. So, uh, here we go. All right. So this is the brain as best as I can draw it y'all. And I'm telling you, if I was not a nurse, I would definitely be an artist, but that's, that's for another reason. So this is the brain. Um, and you guys are going to help me to walk this thing through. All right. This is our brain here. Bam. It's looking beautiful. It is looking amazing. We all have one inside of our skulls. When we talk about meningitis, what is meningitis? Because it has the itis on the back of it. What is it an inflammation of? Just really quickly. Is meningitis an inflammation of, what's my nose that I have? Is it an inflammation of the brain? Meningitis. Is it an inflammation of the brain? If NCLEX put that on next gen, would we check that as a yes? Mm -hmm. What do you say when we have meningitis? It's something to say, it's the meninges. It's the inflammation of the meninges. Is, let me ask this question. Is the meninges the same as the brain? So we have meningitis, we have this inflammation. Ooh, I see some people saying yes. I see some people saying no. Oh, when you have meningitis, oh, I love it. I love it. This is why anatomy is so important. So if you are in nursing school and you're like, oh, why do I have to take an anatomy class? This is the reason why, because you have to understand these things. So meningitis is an inflammation of the meninges. It's an inflammation of the meninges. All right. Um, and so the lining of the brain. Now there are three, three layers that cover the brain. What are they? There are three meninges. What are the layers that cover the brain? I see some, ah, oh, I see them in the comments. Okay. All right. I see them in the comments. Give me, give me, the three. 
We have the inner lining, we have the middle, and then we have the outer. What are, what are those called? Do you remember? Okay, let me, let me, let me write them. Because this is the stuff that is going to help you get these answers right, okay? Yes, okay, so I see it. Pia, matter, arachnoid, oh yes, okay? And what do you say, the dura, okay. So these are the three layers, are the three linings that you need to understand are gonna be involved in meningitis. Now, when we specifically talk about meningitis, it's going to really be involving the pia and the arachnoid. Yep, okay. Did everybody have that? Did you remember that? If you didn't remember, this is the review, okay? This is the review for it. So when the, uh, when the question is asked specifically, when the question is asked specifically, is meningitis an inflammation of the brain, okay? That answer is going to be no, not technically. Not technically. Um, it, it, let me ask you this question. What is the term for inflammation of the brain? What do we call it? When a patient comes in and they have inflammation of the brain, maybe because they have a bacterial infection or they've had some sort of trauma, do we call it meningitis? We don't. We don't call it meningitis. What do we call it? Let me write it down, make sure I don't. We call that, yes, good job. Yes, good job. Okay, I'm gonna write it down. Let me see if, let me see if you spelt it right. Mm. Okay, so now we can say, no, we call that encephalitis, encephalitis. It's different from meningitis, right? So we, we need to go back to anatomy to understand literally the differences and the distinctions so that when we have a conversation about meningitis, we are all on the same page. And this is why content is so important because sometimes if you're reading a long rationale about meningitis, you might miss that there's a distinction between the two. So it's good for us to talk about it. We never wanna skip past content because we want to be safe nurses who don't get challenged when somebody asks you information, okay? All right, what else did I have that I wanted to share with you guys? I'll get to that later, I'll get to that later. Okay, let's go, let's go. So we're gonna talk about meningitis on today. We are going to do this NCLEX review. Welcome if it's your first time, this is remartnurse.com. My name is Regina Callion, the number one NCLEX instructor on the planet, because I love this, I do this all the time. So. We talked about it. Meningitis is an inflammation of the thin membranes that actually cover the brain and the spinal cord. So it's not actually the brain, it is the covering of the membranes, meningitis. And so um, meningitis uh, is also, the, these membranes I should say, are also known as the meninges, okay, meninges. Now. Meningitis can be classified by its origins, meaning that there are many, many causes of meningitis. Even when I was preparing for this, I didn't even realize how many causes that there were. But you can have bacterial meningitis, viral meningitis. I will say those are the two main ones for the NCLEX exam. But also there's fung um, fungi meningitis, you have tuberculosis meningitis, and also you even have non-infectious types of meningitis, non-infectious types of meningitis. And in your mind, when I say that, you guys should be able to 
come up in your mind? Like what would cause an inflammation of the meninges that wouldn't be an infectious process? What else could cause the meninges to be inflamed? Think about that as we, as we continue on with the lecture. Okay. Now let's just go over the major ones, okay? So bacterial meningitis, of course, if we're just reading the notes that I have here, it is brought on by a bacteria that enters the bloodstream, and then that's going to travel to the brain and the spinal cord, and it's going to inflame the meninges, okay? And so Can you hear me now? Maybe. Let me know if you can hear me. I just switched. Yes, no. I was talking about bacterial meningitis and I was trying to just give some common uh, reasons why a patient would have, ah, we're back, we're back, baby. And look, I did it without calling Mark. I'm getting good at this, guys. All right, so let me go back to the slide. Okay, so here we go. Bacterial meningitis, anyways, a bacteria gets into the bloodstream, it reaches to the brain and the spinal cord, inflames the meninges. Their major offenders are going to be streptococcus pneumoniae, also um, Neisseria meningitis. These are microorganisms that you're going to be seeing when people live together. So like college dorms, hostiles, things like that, you, you get this Neisseria meningitis there. Um, Haemophilus influenza type B. This is the primary cause of infant bacterial meningitis, all right? They do have Hib vaccines, which can highly reduce this kind of meningitis, which is a good thing. And then Listeria monocytogens. These microorganisms can be found in food, such as unpasteurized um, cheeses, hot dogs that are not cooked well, and lunch meats. And so we have to be very careful with the food that we eat in general. <clears throat> you guys know food can be a, a dangerous situation. All right. Uh, pregnant women, newborns, and the elderly, and those with compromised immune systems are most at risk. So this is bacterial meningitis, one of the forms that we had talked about. Viral meningitis. Viral meningitis is often milder and typically resolves on its own. Most cases in the United States are caused by a class of virus called enteroviruses. They are most frequently found in late summer and early autumn. Other viruses that can inflame the meninges are herpes simplex, HIV, 
mumps, West Nile, okay? And there's some others that can cause viral meningitis. So remember I told you for the purposes of NCLEX, the two major ones that you need to know, bacterial, viral, okay? And of course, the bacterial form is going to be more severe. It's going to be more aggressive. It's going to require the, the treatment and the isolation, all right? Go back to it. Fungal meningitis, fungal meningitis, these are frequently spread by inhaling what fungal spores. And you can find this in soil, decomposing wood, and bird droppings. Fungal meningitis cannot be transmitted from person to person, okay? Um, a prevalent fungal form of meningitis is cryptococcal meningitis. Parasitic meningitis. Some parasites may cause esophiliac meningitis, which is a rare form of meningitis. A tapeworm infection in the brain, commonly known as cerebral malaria, may cause parasitic meningitis. Amoebic meningitis is an uncommon form often obtained while swimming in fresh water and can become immediately life-threatening. Okay, so swimmers out there, you can beware too of where you might be swimming. Somebody asked this, what is the, I'm trying to see the comments on the screen as I teach. Somebody asked a really great question. Well, what is the isolation for bacterial meningitis? Is there one Remar nurse who can put that on the screen? What is, put the right answer please, okay? All right, non-infectious meningitis. This meningitis, uh, does not result from an infection. You guys have put some of the uh, some of the causes that would be non-infectious types of this. So chemical reactions, medication allergies. Yes, nurses can cause non-infectious meningitis in their patients. Types of cancer: lupus, brain injury, brain surgery. Okay, inflammatory disorders. I think I mentioned. Uh, what did I mention lupus, but sarcoidosis is, is another one. So it is instead of a kind of meningitis, this is instead a kind of meningitis that's induced by another medical disease or a medication. So the classic three symptoms, the classic three symptoms of meningitis are fever, stiff neck and a headache. Oh, this is so good. This is so good right here. Um, and then I have here plus a change in mental status. When you talk about the triad of, when you talk about, can you guys still hear me? I saw Sarah saying there's no sound. Um, when you talk about the triad of a patient coming in with fever, headache, and you, a patient could come in with fever and a headache and you could be like, this could be 10 conditions. But when they come in with nuchal rigidity, okay, they say my neck is stiff. We understand that as nurses, but if NextGen NCLEX asked you, how do you evaluate nuchal rigidity? What are you going to do? What are you going to say? What is the evaluation for nuchal rigidity? Because somebody could say, oh, my neck, my neck is stiff, but... How do we know if it's meningitis stiff? Does anybody know? 
Oh, and I gotta shout out Sam. I think I see here. Pass my NCLEX with 85 questions. I am a Remar nurse for the second time. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Been rocking with you since 2015. That was a good year. That was a very good year, Sam. Blessings to you and your family. Do me a favor. Go to remarnurse.com forward slash party. I want to send you something. I like this. So I asked the question, if a patient comes in with stiff neck, how do we check if it's meningitis stiff or just like sleeping on the wrong pillow stiff? All right. Ah, check the fluid, CT scan. Oh, y'all ready to do some serious stuff. If a patient comes in and says, my neck is stiff, you want to do a lumbar puncture? Nah, probably not right away. Somebody said, fix the neck, fix the neck. Spinal tap. Okay, so essentially for nuchal rigidity, what the uh, what what we are asking the patient to do for meningitis is to see, okay, specifically for nuchal rigidity, to see if their chin can touch the sternum. Okay, so we want them to do this. Okay, that's it. Because look, because if you do this. And you know what? If your spinal cord is inflamed, oh, that's going to hurt so bad. They're not going to be able to do it. So they're going to keep their neck. Stiff neck is they're doing it because it reduces pain. Right. So you just I mean, and you don't don't just push their head down. Don't do that. That's going to be really bad. You just ask them. Do me a favor. Put your chin to your chest. See if you can do it. That's it. OK, that's it. And. If they do that and it elicits pain, then you know that there is a possible inflammation in the meninges. So if they have a fever, high fever, headache, and then they have a, uh, what did I say? High fever, headache, nuchal rigidity, okay? Meningitis. Now, another thing that the patient may come in with, and I said it here, is an altered mental status. What is the rapid test for altered mental status? That was one of my notes I had to put on here. What is it? Altered mental status. If a patient comes in and they have altered mental status, what's the test that I'm doing? It's not going to take me long to do it, but that will also confirm. Ah, I see it. Claudia has it. I'm going to do a Glasgow. Okay. Yep. I think you, I think you wanted that one. <laughs> Good job. So Glasgow. All right. Glasgow coma. I want to do that. And I'm looking for that to be below what 13 altered mental status. It doesn't have to be a big change, but even if it's just a slight change, I am suspecting that this patient has meningitis. Okay. And so these are, these are things that you need to know content wise. All right. These are things you need to know content wise to be able to answer questions about meningitis. And so, again, let's dig into the content. So the classic triad fever, stiff neck, OK, headache plus a mental status change. So we're going to see that Glasgow less than um, 13, probably. Uh, and, and so in, in the newborn and the infant, the signs may be the high fever, which we're going to expect constant crying. Why is the newborn crying? Okay, if it's been exposed to um, influenza type B, they're constantly crying because of the pain, their drowsiness, uh, they, they're drowsy. So that's altered mental status, irritation, difficulty waking up, they're lethargic, 
sluggish. They don't want to eat. Okay, so poor nutrition, vomiting, arching their back. Yes, they're going to be arching their back. That's also going to be a pain point for them. And then again, you're going to have the bulging spots on the head. Okay, and the fontanelles. This is very important. The tenseness of the anterior fontanelles implies what you guys have said, there's going to be an increase in the intracranial pressure. So these are signs that uh, your, your newborn needs follow-up, immediate assessment. Now, adults or those above the age of two, what are we going to have there? Okay, we're going to have a sudden onset of high fever. We expect that. That's something that's objective. It's not subjective. We can look and do a number on the fever. Stiff neck, nucorigidity. We can ask them to do the test. They're going to report a headache. The infant can't tell us that they have a headache. That's subjective. Nausea and vomiting, we can see. Altered mental status, confusion or difficulty focusing. The adults are more likely to have seizures. Sleepiness or difficulty awaking, sensitivity to light, photophobia. Loss of appetite, skin rash in some conditions, such as menin meningococcal meningitis. All right. Positive Kernick sign. All right. Kernick sign. I think I may have some photos for Kernick sign. Okay. The, the inability of the client to extend their legs when they're lying fully supine. That's Kernick sign. And the reason why they don't want to extend their legs is because there is less, there's less pain when the knees are flexed. So when the knees are flexed on the patient, the spinal cord is not stretched out, right? And so it takes some of the pain, it takes some of the pressure off of the inflamed spinal cord. So patients like to have their knees flexed, all right? Go back here so you guys can see it. And then the Brzezinski sign, this is also a sign where you have the client lying flat, okay? They're lying flat on their back. And then when you try to support the neck or when you try to flex that neck, it's also going to cause their knees to go up, all right? Because that will also reduce some of the pain from the inflamed meninges, right? So risk factors, who is most likely to get meningitis? Those people who uh, skip vaccines, all right? So anyone not completing the recommended childhood or adult vaccination regimen is at an increased risk. Age, viral meningitis occurs in children under the age of five, okay? Bacterial meningitis is frequent in children under the age of 20. So it's, this is a young people's condition. And I'll say this, especially if you have a newborn, if you just had a baby or you have young babies, you have to monitor them so carefully because a fever and constant crying is going to be, you know, it could be many things. It could be many things. And I've known many friends who've had babies and the babies had to get a lumbar puncture during flu season because they needed to rule out meningitis. It's tough to do in infants, all right? Um, yes, also those living in closed dorm rooms. So high schoolers who are going off to college, they're now in an environment with a whole lot of new kids and they're sharing bathrooms together. 
And so definitely, I know before I went to college, I got the men in, um, the meningitis vaccine because I was going to be in a dorm room. So, um, you know, living in a community, like I just said here, I actually just told this, um, menin meningococcal meningitis is more common among college students living in dorms, military people as well. I forgot about that. Military people, uh, children in boarding schools or childcare institutions. This is most likely due to the microorganisms rapid spread via the respiratory group in, in, in big, big groups, respiratory route in big groups. Okay. Pregnancy. Pregnancy raises the cause, the chance of listeria infection, which can lead to meningitis. And so miscarriage, stillbirth, and early delivery are all caused by the infection. The mode of transmission depends on the organism. So typically, if we're talking about droplet precaution, we are talking about the bacterial meningitis. But again, um, you know, if you have a fungal meningitis, that's not going to be something that's going to be transmitted from human to human. So most bacteria that cause meningitis, such as meningococcus, pneumococcus, Hemophilus, influenza are in the human nose and throat. So you're going to be looking at droplet precautions. Okay. Now they are transmitted from person to person through respiratory droplets or throat secretions. Group B streptococcus, though, is commonly found in the human stomach or the vaginal canal. And this can be passed from mother to child during birth. The incubation period lasts typically four days although it can be up to um, a week. And so I just want to pause for the cause because we're talking about, I introduced a new, um, a new bacteria in there, which was the group B streptococcus. So group B strep, are you guys familiar with that in your maternity course? Okay, group B strep. And it's really interesting because a lot of these bacterias that I'm naming as nurses, we just have them on us. Like some of these bacteria, just when they attach to you, they stay in your skin, they stay in your nose, they stay in your throat, and you don't have any issues with them. Your body just keeps on going because it keeps the bacteria contained, right? So with group B strep, when a mother has it, she typically will have it or carry it in her vaginal canal. And so during the process of birth, the newborn baby with basically no immune system and no defenses can come in contact with that group B strep and it can cause them to have issues such as, um, you know, such as meningitis, right? It could cause them to have very serious um, health issues because they don't have an immune system to contain that bacteria. So in maternity, it is not uncommon for a mother with group beta strep to during the delivery process, get what antibiotic? What is our pregnancy safe antibiotic that will not harm the baby, but will also take care of group beta strep? And it, it decreases it to an amount where it's not harmful in the baby. The baby can, the mother definitely can grow it back. She cannot, she probably could still have it, still carry it. I don't know. But what is our pregnancy safe antibiotic? Ah, good job, everybody. I see it on the screen. Penicillin. Penicillin. 
penicillin. So you won't forget that. Aren't you glad you showed up to class today? This is way more content that I actually have prepared for us, but we're just rolling through it. Okay. All right. So anyways, how do we diagnose meningitis? We're going to do a medical history, physical exam, and then specific tests for the different types of causes. Now, Blood cultures where a blood sample is put in a Petri dish or can be stained by placing it on the slide and determining if a bacteria is present. Imaging, head CT or MRI may, it may reveal swelling or inflammation. The spinal tap, mm, spinal tap is used to, um, oh, the spinal tap is going to be used to diagnose meningitis accurately. I had something on that in my notes, spinal tap. What patient, thinking of the adult patient, what would make a patient inappropriate for a spinal tap or a lumbar puncture? And I want you to think specifically on the signs and symptoms that the patient is going to be presenting with. For example, we come in as on our shift and you are, you know, you're working in the emergency room, a patient comes in and you suspect them as a nurse to have meningitis. It's a college patient. Okay. What are the signs and symptoms that they are going to, what are the signs and symptoms that they are going to be presenting with? And then think about what we need them to do during the lumbar puncture. Okay. So, I, I don't want you guys to get too crazy and start naming all these things. Think about it related to the meningitis, okay? Hey, nurse Desiree, I love that name. That's like one of my favorite names right now. I just took my LVN NCLEX, must be in California on August 24th, and I passed it. Tell me how'd you study? What'd you do? What'd you do? Okay, um, Desiree says, I'm officially a Remar nurse. Congratulations. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So renal failure, not quite renal failure. Because remember, we're expecting them to come in with symptoms of meningitis. So a college student wouldn't have meningitis. Mm. Did I see it somewhere? I thought I saw it. No, the fever is okay. You could still do a you could still do the lumbar puncture if your patient had a fever. Increased intracranial pressure. We could still do it then. Rheumatoid arthritis. No, no, we can still do it. Pregnancy. Think of the symptoms of meningitis. So how does it affect the body? Headache. We can still do the lumbar puncture with the headache. Ah, okay. This is one I was looking for. Okay. Altered mental status. Can't do it. Can't do it. Why? Some other things I had. There's one more I was looking for. Altered mental status. I can't do a lumbar puncture on a patient that's confused. Because I'm going to say, can you please be still? I need you to be still and don't move. Altered mental status going to be all over the place, may decide to get up, may can't do it. There's something else that would prevent a patient from, an adult patient from getting a lumbar puncture. Yeah, they can't follow instructions. 
Something else. I love something else. All right. While, while y'all put it on the screen, I'm going to read Nurse Desiree. She says, I did V2. Quick facts. Monday motivations and winning Wednesday. NCLEX University. I did it all. You, <laughs> you helped me tremendously. I owe you and Mark all the glory. I will always love you guys. Same. Thank you for coming to all that stuff. Like all of those things that just makes me realize, um, you know, how often we work together. So I'm so glad that our time was uh, our, our time was useful to you. I love it. I love it. And most of y'all don't realize all of that stuff. The majority of that stuff is free. It really is. And it's just additional things that I do in order to make you guys feel supported. Ah, Desiree did what she had to do. Amazing. Yes. Okay. Um, Andrew says, I'm on it. I'm on it. Okay. So I think I saw it. Ah, here it is. Seizures. If a patient is having seizures from meningitis, can we do a lumbar puncture? No, 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 no. So those are two reasons that we would um, avoid the lumbar puncture. Critical thinking, critical thinking. You guys are on it today. All right. Treatment. Let's go over this for the bacterial and the um, and the viral, okay? Bacterial meningitis. So what's gonna happen here is Acute bacterial meningitis must be treated immediately with IV antibiotics and sometimes corticosteroids. If you think about the purpose of the corticosteroid, what is it going to do for the patient? Why would we be looking for a corticosteroid? I'm looking for it. Like, let's get it on board for our patient. This helps with healing and lowers the chances of problems such as brain swelling and seizures. All right. Viral meningitis. There's no particular treatment for viral meningitis in most cases. Most cases, most clients with mild viral meningitis can recover entirely in seven to 10 days without any therapy at all. Antibiotics cannot ever, ever treat viral conditions. Please remember that. Okay. However, meningitis caused by herpes virus or influenza, they can benefit from an antiviral. You got the viruses and the antivirals together, okay? The doctor may also advise the corticosteroids because like you guys are saying, the corticosteroids is gonna reduce the inflammation. And so that's gonna be pivotal in helping our patients to not have seizures. Yeah. Good job. Fungal meningitis, well, you gotta figure out uh, the condition. This is, you know, with, with fungal meningitis though, the thing about fungal meningitis, even though it can't be transmitted to person to person, it last longer. And so this, you know, moves to a chronic condition when you have a fungal meningitis. Funguses are difficult to get rid of. They are. They're really difficult to get rid of. So when we talk about fungal meningitis, think of like a long-term thing. You don't, you know, patients are not going to like the news that they have fungal meningitis. Nurse Sherry says, I passed my NCLEX PN on the first attempt. And I, I is I is officially a Remar nurse thanks to the God thanks to be to God and the Remar community. Yay! Congratulations, Nurse Sherry. That's amazing. All right, that's amazing. So we are winning here. This ain't even winning Wednesday. It's just Monday motivation for the nations. All right. Now, so I said here that look at it. Fungal meningitis, this is a chronic meningitis type and treatment. Antifungal medications are used to treat fungal meningitis. That makes sense. Tuberculosis meningitis can also be treated with a mix of medications. Non-infectious meningitis, 
you know, that's going to be from what we say is sarcoidosis, lupus. All right. Cortical steroids are going to treat the non-infectious types of meningitis. All right. Parasitic meningitis. So when you have a parasite, you are, there's really not much we can do about that. All right. Um, especially if we don't really know what type of parasite it is, but the, you know, the treatment is mostly going to be supportive. So it consists of pain relief. You could do aspiration of the cerebrospinal fluid, reducing it, anti-inflammatory medications such as corticosteroids. I really think they should look into that because I, I just wasn't really, I would hate to be having to give that information to patients. All right. Oh, our NCLEX question times. And I haven't even been checking. Mark, I need your help because I, I was so deep into the content. I haven't even been checking to see if we have the right amount of likes or anything. So we are going to go for it with our NCLEX questions. I have uh, I have five today if we reach our likes. And then I also am going to challenge you guys to get three out of these right. Okay, three out of these right. So let's just get into it with a basic question. All right, a basic question. Here it is. First question is this. Woo, all right. The nurse monitors a six-month-old infant who underwent a lumbar puncture for cerebral spinal fluid analysis. And the result confirms bacterial meningitis. Which of the following findings require immediate attention by the nurse? Okay. Number one, a tense anterior fontanelle. Two, tonic neck reflex. Three, jaundice on both hands. Four, a temperature of 98.7. Ooh, which one is it? Okay. I see some ones, I see some twos on the screen. Oh my goodness. All right. Ones and twos and ones and twos, lots of those. I see some people even with three. All right. So remember everything we need to know. Okay. Everything we need to know is in the stem of the question, meaning for next generation NCLEX, look for the answer. They're giving it to you. I'm giving it to you today. Okay. Correct answer is number, correct answer is number one, okay? All right, because the tenseness, okay, or the bulging of the anterior fontanelle indicate, indicates an increased intracranial pressure. So you need to monitor that, you need to manage that because the baby cannot survive with this increased intracranial pressure. Now, I just wanna go back shortly and I wanna look at people who pick number two, okay? A tonic neck reflex. Now we talked about the neck being, we talked about it being flexed. We talked about them not being able to flex it. And we were talking about that in the capacity of suspected what? Meningitis. So we already know here, we know here that the patient has meningitis. Okay. We, they have bacterial meningitis. So do we need to call the doctor up and say there's a tonic neck reflex or that the neck is rigid? We're past that. The doctor is going to be like, yeah, I know. That's why I did the lumbar puncture. Why are you calling me? Like what else is going on new with my patient? 
So we can't call the doctor like that. All right. That's how you get yelled at. That's how nurses bully you, make fun of you. All right. And it's just because you 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 haven't critically thought you haven't made the connection. So we're past that. OK. Headache, fever. The doctor needs to already had addressed that because this patient has bacterial meningitis. But we do need to call the doctor if we notice that the fontanelles are bulging, because that's something that needs to be addressed immediately. That's something that the lumbar puncture that they just did or any other treatment that we have probably is not addressing. Okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. Let me go back to it. We're moving on. We're moving on. Question number two says this. Okay. Which of the above conditions has the highest likelihood of causing bacterial pneumococcal meningitis? Number one, a UTI, urinary tract infection. Two, conjunctivitis. Three, acute otitis media. Four, a furuncle. A furuncle. Love it. All right, I'm looking for three out of five. We are talking meningitis content here today. Forget the strategies. Forget the hacks. All right, forget the readiness exams right now. Because if you don't know the content, then none of that stuff matters. All right, if you don't know the ins and outs of bacteria, meningitis, how you get it, you don't need to know no test-taking strategies. You don't have room in your memory for test-taking strategies when you don't know the content. All right. Seems like y'all know the content on this one. So glad you showed up for class today. It is number three. Yes! Because, all right, pneumococca or meningococci, all right, usually, you think about it. When they get up in the ear, how close is that to the brain? How close is that to the sinuses? How's that going to creep up on the, the spinal cord? All right. Very, very close. Very close. So this one, if we look at the others, most of you guys picked that one. This one is going to be just the most um, just the most common. You know, the urinary tract infection, if there's a bacteria in the bladder, it's got a long way to go. Not that it can't get there, but it's got a long way to go. So um, the conjunctivitis, usually that's going to be... Um, allergic. All right. Uh, and so, you know, you're not going to have the same closeness to the brain or the spinal cord as you would with the acute otitis media that is left untreated. All right. All right. Good job, everybody. Okay. So we don't have long to get this done. We have 544 people watching. We have 188 likes. So we need to get up to 250. Not that much. Okay. I just need one, two, three, four, 70 more people to smash the like button on YouTube. And we're going to unlock this bonus question. All right, you guys can do it. All right, if you can't focus, come back, come back, because this is good. If you're at work, then just work and come back. This is a good, this is a good. Okay, number three says this. Number three says this. Hmm, okay, a three-month-old baby recently diagnosed with pneumococcal meningitis was newly admitted to the pediatric unit. Which of the following is the priority nursing intervention? Number one, obtain a sample for blood culture. Two, implement isolation precautions. Three, schedule for a CT scan. 
or four, give antibiotics as prescribed. I want you to just go with your first mind, put the first answer that comes up in your mind, because also we're trying to break the nasty habit of second guessing yourself. And I'm telling you, the only way you do that is by practicing going with your first mind. Practicing it right now in real time. Okay, I see the answers on the screen. Man, y'all doing it. We got 238 likes already. We just need, what, 12 more? My goodness. That was a rapid response. Okay, correct the answer. Pow, number two. I knew you could do it. All right, so meningitis caused by bacteria frequently spreads through the oral or nasal droplets. Therefore, healthcare personnel, listen, you have to stop the spread of these droplets. You have to do it. Anytime this comes up on NCLEX, any single time you have a patient in the ER admitted and they have a suspected meningitis, priority is going to be isolation. It's going to be isolation. Um, let me go back to this. I think I have a question here. Asked, why is not number four per the the priority oh i love this question all right um and maybe she she messaged she answered it before i did um because here is so it's so tough with nclex because when they put options in front of you more than one option is always going to be right you it's it's hardly ever unless you're just so intimate with the content that you know but even here this is a content question because Safety is the priority. And at the at also in nursing, one of the things that's tough is that you um you know you you have to weigh the how do I say this? The greater good too at the same time. All right. And so we we have to isolate conditions so that they don't become outbreaks or pandemics. Okay. And so if it comes to you treating one individual or you protecting the whole unit, then you got to protect the unit first. Okay. Safety. All right. So we're, are we on the same page. Does that explain that the right way? Mm, okay. And so we do know though, that this is, I think somebody said, well, we don't know if this is viral or if this is bacterial, but it did tell us. So like I said, a lot of things that we know <laughs> are going to be coming right from the are right from the, the stem of the question. They're going to give you the answers, okay? They're going to give you the answers. I like this. Mary Martin says, first time watching you live, I have a newborn. And for the life of me, she's always up when you are live. This is really fun. Oh, we're talking about newborn care a lot today. And you know what? Let that baby hear my voice because nursing might be a calling. And so she might just say, I know some good content when I see it. All right. Or when I hear it, I should say. Okay, here we go. So. Now, let's go on. I'm pretty sure we got our our, our likes on face on YouTube. What it, what is it? What is the number right now? We were trying to go for 250. All right, so here we go. Oh, this is a challenging one. I remember this one out when I did it last night. The nurse checks the CSF analysis, okay? The results of a client with suspected bacterial meningitis. Which of the following findings would confirm the diagnosis? Okay, bacterial meningitis. Number one, clear CSF, elevated WBC, and decreased RBCs. 
Two, cloudy CFS, decreased RBCs, decreased leukocytes. Three, clear CFS, elevated glucose, elevated WBC. Or four, cloudy CFS, elevated leukocytes, and decreased glucose. Mm. This is tough. This is so tough. Okay. But only one applies to bacterial meningitis. All of it. Boom, 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 boom. Mm, 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 mm. I see a lot of twos and I see a lot of fours. I mean, yeah, it's two and four. It's between two and four for sure. Because you know you're not going to have clear CSF. So out of the two and the four, which one is it? <laughs> Correct answer on the screen. Nobody told me if we made it. Can somebody please tell me if we made the likes? How many do we have on YouTube right now? Correct answer is number four. Four, yes. Four is going to address everything that's happening. So um, meningitis is diagnosed through analysis of the cerebral spinal fluid acquired during the lumbar puncture of the spinal tap. So we would do it if the patient was not confused, if the patient was not having seizures. Uh-huh. And so what we're going to see is elevated pressure, okay? The cerebral spinal fluid pressure uh, is going to be, what is it? I got to think of that number because it's escaping me right now. It's going to be over 15, I think. Um, cloudy CFS. Elevated leukocytes, elevated leukocytes because your body's going to be trying to fight the bacteria. Increased protein, which you're never supposed to have, but you're going to have increased protein. And then also decreased glucose levels. Now, we know, we know that in cerebral spinal fluid, there is glucose. It's sugar. It's supposed to be there. We are expecting that to be there. But because you have the infiltration of bacteria and you have the infiltration of leukocytes, right? Maybe some more fluid because the whole area is inflamed. That glucose level is going to go down. It's going to be less than normal, not go up. Okay. Why leukocytes? Somebody put, why do we have leukocytes? Why are we worried about that? It's a good question, child of grace. Um, I'm just gonna get the Remar nurses to do the work, okay? Okay, now let us, let me see, did we make it? Did we make it? Nobody, are y'all trying to hide that we didn't make it? How many likes do we have on YouTube? How many likes do we have on YouTube right now? Anybody, is there one person? If we didn't make it, we didn't make it. You guys have been doing good, but I think we made it. I just don't know. All right, so the question was, why leukocytes? And it's because they fight bacteria. It's an infection. Infections can cause an increase in leukocytes. Okay, Taylor says we have 287, so let's go now. Let's go now. All right, we got it. Congratulations. The question is unlocked. Okay, I was ready for it to be unlocked because y'all usually do a good job. Last question. Ooh, what are the most common symptoms of meningitis? Select three that apply. Number one, abdominal pain. Two, fever. Three, bluish discoloration of the skin. Four, rashes. Five, neck stiffness. Six, 
changes in mental status. This should be an easy three and out. I love these questions because you know what? It's telling you for next gen NCLEX how many are right. You don't got to think about it. Okay. Select all that apply. You got to think about it. It's going to take you way longer. These questions, you just know out the gate. There's three of these right. I just got to pick three of them. Okay. And I think you guys are doing it, especially if you did the content review with me earlier. This question is easy peasy. That's why I tell y'all, get into that content. Ooh, it changes your life. Okay. Correct answer two, five, and six. All right. 44% of adults with bacterial meningitis have that classic triage fever, headache, neck, stick, stif neck stiffness. And then they, I also said that since the, I don't think the, what wasn't there? The headache wasn't on there, but we saw the changes in the mental status. All right. And so that is definitely going to be also a most common symptom. Hey, how did you do? Congratulations today, y'all. We we did it. We worked through the content of meningitis. So if you have the Quick Facts book, everything that we talked about today will be an addition or support for that section of Quick Facts. Are you happy you came to class today? Listen, it's not over yet because we have our Monday motivation. Wait, wait, wait. I thought I saw, hold up, hold up, hold up. I thought I saw a testimonial five out of five. That's amazing. All right. Good job, Yolanda. I thought I saw a testimonial, but now I can't find it. Oh, wait, here it is. Hi, Remar nurses. I took NCLEX last Friday. That was last Friday. I just found out that I passed today. I'm officially a Remar nurse. Those are the sweetest words ever. For your information, okay, your V2 content and your quiz bank were helping me on the real exam. That's the goal. That's the goal. It is for everybody here to have the same testimonial as you. Their time is coming, but I'm so glad that you were able to encourage us on today with a real life testimonial. <sighs> Y'all, let me tell you this. I never have to pay for people to give testimonials about Remar. Like never. You guys just come on here naturally, real people. And I so thank you guys for that because I think that's the best. That's the best way for people to, to find us. Okay. All right. Here we go. Too much planning. This is the motivation for today. This is me, Lord. I'm, I'm speaking to myself and I have here shaking my head because there's somebody in the same boat with me. You're just too much. You're just doing too much planning. And so this is the idea because it always starts off as good intentions. Okay, good intentions. <laughs> when you're trying to complete a big task, you want to plan for success. You want to do that, especially if you're like me. You're trying to do something big. You want to plan for success. So what do you do? You research that thing. Okay. You write down a list of what you're going to do. You're listing it. You're listing the things that need to get done. You're listing the things you need to budget and buy. You're watching videos. You're watching testimonials asking people for advice. And this is what y'all do, especially when you're trying to pass NCLEX. This is what I do when I'm coming to a new city or I'm trying to plan another event or I'm thinking about writing another book for you guys or you asking me to do something. So I'm, am, am I the only person? Ooh, you plan for the thing, okay? And this is not a bad step. 
because you absolutely should have a plan. However, this is the problem. Too much planning. Too much planning turns into another P word. What is that P word? For me, for example, when I'm about to stay in a new place with my children, a new city, I'm staying in a hotel with them. I literally will spend days and days just reading reviews about the hotel, watching videos. Oh, you you guys know. <laughs> exactly. No, not pressure, close. But the planning ugh, turns into the P word of procrastination. Yes. And so this is where too many of, I like paralysis too, because I think paralysis can be in the same vein. You just spend so much time thinking and planning and prepping for the thing that you never actually get around to doing it. You never get around to doing it. You never get around to actually starting to study. You never get around to actually making the reservation, making the subscription booking the flight like you don't because you're so into a procrastination okay about it because you just want to oh i want to look one more thing let me check one more thing let me read one more thing and then what happens is that one day turns into six months god forbid right the one day you're 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 looking at the next year some of you guys have been watching me for literally years, literally years. And this is, this is a, this is a truth. You already have my program. You bought the program two years ago, right? You bought the program two years ago. You just aren't using it. You just haven't started it. And some of you guys, um, you're the exact opposite. You see me one day, the next day you're in the program and then you're, you're doing it. You're doing what you need to do. Those are the two students that I have. I have the students that are non-committal, they're unmotivated. They'll show up to this, but when I when, when I turn off, they turn off. That's it. And when I'm back on, they're back on. So I need those students this week to take the next step, okay? And this is why I don't get into private tutoring. Because when you depend on another person to motivate you for the daily stuff, you're never going to get it done. You're never going to do it because you you don't have it in your own mind. You know, you're not convinced in your own spirit that this is for you. And so I can't pump you. I can't prod you. I can't push you. Take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I'm giving y'all, this is the water here. You still got to drink it. I tell y'all, that's the water. It's a lot of water. You still got to drink it. Okay. So even those who have the V2, what are you going to do with it this week? You're going to shelve it. You're going to just let it sit or you actually do it and get into some progress. I need y'all to take that step this week because the planning is over. What's the plan? The plan is simple. We already talked about it. I can, I will, I must pass NCLEX. That's the plan. You don't need to write it down. You memorized it. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. Okay? That's the plan. Don't need to research it. Get in the V2. 
get it done. Okay. Somebody says, come on, preacher. <laughs> it's a simple, it's, it's a really simple, I, you know, it's a really simple concept. Nobody's coming to give you the life of your dreams, not near a person. Nobody's coming to give you the nursing career that you want, the license that you desire. You have to do all the work. You know, nursing school is over. The teachers are not, the teachers are not pressed when you get your license. They got another group of students they have to take care of. It's on you. Nobody's coming to take the test for you. You got to go in there. You got to show up. Because when it's time for the reward, you want to be able to get the reward. You got to do it. Okay. And so this week, I want you to press into what it takes for you to get it done. Okay. And I don't think it's planning anymore. Honestly, don't think it's planning. I think you guys have everything you need in order to pass. It's good. It's good. This is a public service announcement for the Remar nurses. Public service announcement. Somebody says for me. Okay. This is the study calendar for the V2. This is the work that must be done. And I, I'll say it. A lot of this is content. Okay. The content is there. It's not difficult content. T-Rob, come on. Come on, you won. You showing up to class. I know you doing the work. All right. The content. These subjects are not difficult subjects. Okay. Substance abuse. Study session number eight. Let's look at it. Study session number eight. Where to go? Here we go. Oh, positions, disaster management, herbal medications. And the thing about it, like I said, y'all have this information. Y'all have these videos right here. Positions. Disaster management. Positions. How long is this video? Eight minutes. You got eight minutes? I think you do. Disaster management. That's a nine-minute video. Okay? Herbal medications. Six minutes. Get through it. This week. Um, the, the whole week. That's study session. That's study session number eight. And then, yes, am I going to ask you to read some stuff? Yeah. Quick facts pharmacology. Okay? Anticonvulsants, antidotes antineoplastics, anti-Parkinson's. Those are medications you got to know. And then what? Go into the question bank, create quizzes. Okay. 30, 45 minutes. That's it. This is the, this is the day's work. This is the day's work. It's not too much. Now I can see y'all know there's some, there's some videos out there that's four hours long. There's some NCLEX review videos. I know it because you guys tell me there's two hour lectures on some of this stuff. I'm asking you to invest 10 minutes. OK. Think about it like this. How long did it take us? We, what we studied? We studied meningitis today. Amazing, amazing content. Didn't take us too long. But after we got finished studying the content, we have a better understanding of this. And that's how we go into NCLEX prepared with a better understanding. That's all. Now, if I asked you guys, what were the five questions that we went over? Y'all might be able to remember like, oh, you asked us this, you asked us that. All right. But tomorrow and the next day after that and the next day after that, you're not going to remember those questions. But you will remember that 
meningitis and encephalitis is not the same thing, okay? And that's the difference between content over questions, all right? And that's why we, we spend time here as opposed to doing the majority of questions because the rationales you're not going to remember, but the content you will. Okay, that's it. What else do you have? That's it. That's that's Monday motivation. I think there was one more slide I wanted to read to you guys. And this is it right here. Don't delay your goal. Okay. Waiting for everything to be planned perfectly. It's not going to be perfect. Okay. It's not going to be perfect, but you got to get done. You got to get it done. Get started today with the next big step. Okay. Your future self will thank you for it. Yes. This was my final point. The things that you do today, next year, your future self can either love you for it or hate you for it, okay? The 2025 version of you does not want to be saying, why didn't I pass NCLEX? Why am I still studying for NCLEX? Your future self wants to be happy with what you're doing today. And that's in all areas of your life. That's in all areas of your life, okay? What you do today will serve you 10 years from now or it will hinder you 10 years from now. What you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're watching, where you're working, okay? Make your future self happy, okay? I'm so glad today in the future that I started Remar 12 years ago. Like, I'm so glad I did the hard work 12 years ago and now I'm able to sit here with a class of 700 people, okay? My future self is happy. I want your future self to be happy too. All right, let me answer some of these questions. You're new here, Cynthia. How often do you hold this class? So I go live every Monday at noon, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. That's Eastern time. So I do Monday motivation and we do winning Wednesdays every single week. So if you're in V2 and you're losing motivation, you can pick it up here, okay? Child of Grace. So are you saying that we should do questions after each lecture? No, I'm not. I'm saying you should follow the study calendar. So there are some, in the beginning, I don't have you doing question bank questions. For example, in the course, there's already going to be um, progress exams after the videos. So for example, here, um, if you're doing body positions, disaster management, herbal medications, blood gas interpretations, you're going to have a built-in progress exam, okay? And that's something that you're going to have to pass in order to go on to chest tubes. And this is just how I do my program because accountability is key. So I don't want you guys to just be able to go through all of the videos and at the end of it, not really have any kind of benchmarks to what you're learning. If you don't know arterial blood gases, then I don't want you to move on to chest tubes because there's something there that you need. Okay, good. Uh, somebody asked, do you have a study guide for the HESI? Are you talking about the HESI entrance or the HESI exit? The HESI entrance, we have quick facts for, if you're talking about the entrance exam, quick facts for T's and HESI. If you're talking about the exit exam, do an NCLEX review. That will help you if you have to have a mandatory passing rate for your exit exams. Okay. Dolly Doe says, I ordered the Quick Facts book first. Did I make a mistake? 
No. Should I purchase the V2? So no, actually, if you've already ordered the Quick Facts book, then you can purchase the rest of V2 for an even lower price. All right. So when you go to the checkout page, just delete the Quick Facts, put it in the trash can because you don't need to buy that again. And so your price will go down. And we have the, the two prices for the V2 now. So I'm really happy if you want to do the three month version, you want to take a little bit of time in the V2. The price has gone to 169. Okay. It's not a $200 review, not a $300 review. I looked at the people who have the same thing I have. The review is $399 right now. Our review is $169 for three months. If you want the four week program, and the four week program will allow you to do the study calendar because this is a four week calendar. So if you're going to go in and you are going to be very intentional, very consistent, you can do this in four weeks or less. The price of that program is $89, okay? And that's for four weeks in the V2. If you already have Quick Facts, you don't need the Quick Facts book, which is this one, then it goes from 89 to 69. Just delete it, okay, from your cart, okay? But if you don't have Quick Facts, get the Quick Facts book and you're going to have it for $89. Another book you'll also get to help you take notes while you're doing the video is you're gonna be able to print out this, um, the downloadable workbook, okay? Got to be able to print out the downloadable workbook. That comes in the package. What else do I want to tell you? Oh, if you don't want to print this out and you want me to send this to you, print it out, you can also add it there too. So there's different, um, there's a different option. Everybody will get this book in the $89 price, no matter what. If you want me to print this out, you need to add it on. It's $35 for me to print it out for you. Okay, so it's up to you. I like it that it's all binded in one. And then this book has a little bit more because you're going to take notes. Can you see that? You're going to take, no, you can't see it. You're going to take notes while you're watching videos. So this is going to be uh, your workbook that you'll take notes in. All right. What else? What else? What else? Oh, my goodness. Uh, we will be praying for everybody in Florida. You guys are um, preparing for a storm. Can you explain to us what the test taking what the testing strategy is all about that I keep hearing? So I am not sure actually particularly what you mean. Personally myself, I don't do test taking strategies. I find them to be um, I find them to be distracting. I find them to not work in all situations, which causes confusion. I think really that if you study the main subjects that are going to be presented on the exam, that's so much better than test taking strategies. Um, yeah, that's what I think. Gertrude says, hey, good job. I'm new here. Okay. Can you renew your VT more than once? Yes, absolutely. Okay. The I'm a Remar nurse. How can I get a shirt? All of the merchandise uh, that we have basically is on the remarnurse.com website. If you go there and you go to, I think, my products, it should be there for you. Esther says the app. So we're with the app. We have approval from Android and we have approval for the um, Android. And then we also just got approval for Apple or iOS. That 
took a very long time. So I think right now we're just in the process of trying to push it through making sure that it all functions on their actual network. Okay, thank you for asking me that. As soon as it is available, I promise I will let you guys know. Okay, good questions here. I'm taking questions. Absolutely. Can you start using the V2 while waiting for the quick facts to be delivered? Yes, actually you can. And let me tell you how, um, how it's going to work. So if you're studying from the calendar, I actually, you can do all of session one without quick facts, all of session two, all of session three, all of session four. So you need to be studying five, six. I don't have you studying the quick facts book until study session number seven. So as long as you have the printed workbook, even if you're waiting uh, for this book to come too, you can always just download and print like the first 10, 15 pages of this book and get started. Yeah, that's the one of the reasons why we had um, this book ready for you guys. Thank you. Okay, the quick facts book for T's and HESI is for who? That's a good question. This is for nursing students who want to get into nursing school. They are trying to get into nursing school, but in order for them to get into nursing school, they have to take the heat, the T's or the HESI um, entrance exam. And so if you're already in nursing school um, for LPN, you don't have to worry about this. But if you go on, you may have to take it for your RN program. If you're trying to get into an RN school, they may make you take the T's. Okay. question here. Amazing. Let's see. How long does it take the Quick Facts book to get into the mail? I think about five days, but it depends on when you are, where you are in the world. I saw that one of our books got to like Africa in five days. So it just depends. Okay. Um, Team Remar, remember Team Remar is, they are off on the weekend. So they're back in the office today on Monday. So if you sent a message, they should be getting back to you. Good. Charlene, thank you for this motivation. It's what I needed, the extra boost for my exam this Wednesday. Oh, it's so good. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited for you. This is our time. Please let me know how it goes. Let me know. Like you can let me know. Usually I hear from students and it's the day before and they're like, should I be studying? What should I be studying? And I'm like, no, don't study. I'm not playing with you guys. Uh, so I want to know how it goes for you. Wanda, thank you so much for your review course. I'm learning so much and feel so encouraged. You got this. You got this. You're doing the work. It's going to show up on the exam for sure. Um, Regina, I have V2, but it will soon expire. If I renew it, will I still have my questions because I have not used up to 100 questions. Yes, if you renew your V2, it's going to keep all of your progress in the course section and then also in the um, question bank. Somebody asked, how do I make questions in V2? So let me let me do that real quick. I'm just going to show you how to make questions in the question bank. Um, oh, okay, so here's the course. You guys know when you get V2, you're going to have access to all of the lectures. And then the question bank is going to be here. And so we'll click on the question bank. It's going to pull up the questions that you have, the uh, questions you took, and then what you have remaining, you click on the blue button to create a new test and it is gonna come up with all of your options. You need to name your tests because the V2 is gonna keep track of your test, okay? NGN test. 
And then you can choose to do a tutor mode, a test mode, or your computer adaptive test is here. Okay. If you click on the computer adaptive test, you're not going to be able to pick any of the subjects or the difficulty level. It will take over the screen. But if you want to do a test mode, then you are able to choose the difficulty level, all easy, moderate, hard. You can choose your subjects. So let me just unclick it. You can choose the subjects that you want to do. If you want to do next-gen case studies in the all mode, there's 56 of them. Um, and so it's up to you to do that. And then you can pick how many you want to do. You just want to do three. And then you can pick whether it's timed or untimed. And then once you fill out everything, the box will turn blue and you will have the green light to move forward. Now, V2 is the all-in-one course, so you're going to have your lectures, but then you're also going to have your question bank here to create these tests. I think this is so important for the reading, the amount of reading that you have to do, and also being able to put together the next-gen questions. Because like this, for example, has three drop-down choices, and so you really get the benefits of Man, you really get the benefits of being able to practice your reading comprehension. All right. And so, yes, V2, we have been working to make it so, so amazing for you guys who have been looking for a solution to get everything in one place. It's all there. It's all there for you guys. Okay. Um, Let's see, I bet I need to retest on lectures. Yes. Okay. So I finished my V2 lectures, but if I need to retest, Will it give me the opportunity to retest? Yes. Um, so this, you get everything. You're able to access the question bank immediately. You guys know I don't all I don't say go into the question bank immediately, but it is there if you just want to do some practice questions. I would say start the content first because that's going to be the most helpful to you guys. But I'm just so I'm just so thankful for the team for Team Remar and all the developers for um, creating the platform and helping you guys to make sure that you're getting everything you need to be successful all prep in one place, okay? All right, um, okay, so I'm gonna get out of here, guys. I hope that I was able to help you today with the understanding of meningitis, encourage and motivate you. And I'm coming back to class on Wednesday. So will you join me? Will you join me? We can discuss more about how you can pass your NCLEX exam. Hopefully I get some more testimonials uh, of nurses. Hopefully Cindy is going to come back on Wednesday and say, whew, I did it. I'm free, okay? <laughs> and let us know how, how it's going. I'm, I'm excited for your test date. And remember, you can't tell other people, but you can always tell me. Like, you can always tell me so that we could be a prayer for you guys. Have a blessed day, everybody. Bye-bye.